Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow I think we can make it better, and I know our guest today on Blog Talk Radio definitely thinks we can, and uh, we're going to find out a lot about what he is actually doing to make it better for uh, a bunch of a bunch of people who who really really need some help and attention and and are not getting much of it and. Um, so this is going to be a real educational time tonight, uh, Gunner. I think, you know, we we've had um, we had the gaming guy member, yes, and yes, and, and yes. then we've had we've had sex traffickers. We've had we've had people with all kinds of things to talk about that I never knew anything about before we started doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you know, and it's. It's the world around us, right? I mean, everyday people and and just doing significant, just huge things. There's just heroes all around us doing amazing things, and it's been so awesome to be a part of the conversation. And then and then to weave mm-hmm. in through all of this, this thing that we call the gospel of welcome, and yeah. uh, grace turned and grace turned outward, and and really that common DNA through all of our guests is really just people that are out there doing yeah. that, just just that, aren't they? Absolutely. And you know what I've noticed, Gunner? Uh, I'm sure you have too. Mm-hmm. I, I think across the board, every single one of our guests who has actually gotten really involved in in helping people in in one way or another, yeah, that help that as all the energy and the direction has all come out of the pain in their own life. Yes, that they suffered and. And coming out the other side and saying, I I want to I want to help other people through the same yes. thing, isn't that yes. isn't that amazing? And so for that yes. for that one reason, Gunner, uh, every one of these, even though maybe we aren't going to be dealing with uh, sex trafficking directly, or maybe because not we aren't veterans like we're going to talk about tonight, the principle of of um, sharing, teaching, discipling, encouraging yes, other people yes. out of your own, out of how God has led you through your own pain, that mm. is universal. That that mm. works across the board for every one of us. Don't you think? Well, absolutely. And it really does play into this, this uh, discussion we've been having the last few months of grace turned outward. And what that looks like, especially in the world yeah. that we live in now, where it's just we're we're all constantly just you know like the lines are drawn, you know. And how do I navigate this with the uh, you know the gospel of mm-hmm. welcome and what does grace turned outward uh, look like? And so yeah, I mean actually whether it's what we've talked about those that have been uh, sex trafficked or or even our friend Enric who is you know orphaned in the genocide oh, yeah. of 
of Rwanda 20 years ago this oh my year. Gosh. So, yeah, I mean, oh. amazing stories. And yet, uh-huh. you know, we're all made by the same hands. And um, it's uh, it's really a humbling experience. And, and tonight is going to be it's going to be really uh, I, I'm really excited to, to, to listen in and uh, to sit in on this conversation tonight between you and our guest. And uh, especially yeah. for me, I have so many dear friends and family that um, that uh, serve in our military and are veterans. And um, and so this is just a real honor tonight yeah. as we get into that conversation. Right. Uh, yeah. So. You know, and we have actually, Gunnar, we have a number of our catch members who are veterans. And uh, yeah. they write they write me all the time, uh, especially you know around around those special days like Memorial Day or Veterans Day when I if I write write something they're they're always quick to respond and and thank me for you know uh, for touching on on that subject that's obviously you know close close to their lives and yet. Yeah. God, there's such a disconnect, don't you think, in this country? There's such a disconnect between the way exactly. most of us live our lives and then these guys who who go overseas to a completely different world and environment and are, you know, I, I don't know how you do it. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're killing and trying to keep from getting killed and, and, uh, and then you just come home and love your family, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. That's and, and, gotta and, be tough. And in all of that, thank God for, for folks like our um you know, veterans like our guests tonight and just the work they're doing and just yeah. and and really on the front lines, you know, you know, as they say, um and really working and in, in, in interceding on some of the, the major uh, issues and things that are, are, are uh, afflicting, you know, uh, there are returning vets and heroes. And so uh, tonight's going to be a real fascinating conversation. Yeah, and I think I think it's just time we better quit here. Uh, yeah, Connor. there's nothing else. We can I, say. I, I suddenly I realized how stupid in. we are sitting here talking about something <laughs> we don't know anything about, and we've yeah. got a guy on the other line who knows everything yeah. about it. So please, Absolutely. folks, would you would you please welcome Chad Rob Rob Robicho, Right, Chad, is that That's right? It. Is that That's right? right? Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Is that a is that a French derivation of I'm trying to figure out Robicho that spelling where is it is what's that it's name it's a French name it's a French oh, name cool. I'm from Louisiana so uh, oh yeah okay yeah, I got some Cajun <laughs> Cajun blood in me <laughs> do you like do you like that Cajun food I do, do I miss a, it do you have a palate for that huh <laughs> I sure do yeah uh, that's great. well listen we're we're excited to. Um, to delve into this subject tonight, uh, but you know what we want to start out with is what we like to start out with, just to get to know our listener, is um, to just hear some about your life. We, we want to hear some of your story. Obviously, you can't hear the whole thing, but you know uh, we know that uh, now at this point in your life, God has called you to an incredible ministry to veterans, and you have a particular heart for them because they're going through things that you know what they've gone through so can you can you start maybe i'd love to start way back when did you when did you decide that you were going to serve in the military is that something that's been there all your life or did it just kind of come upon you or uh, later in life or and how did you get into this and 
and uh, kind of give us a snapshot history. Well, uh, <laughs> so yeah, my my father was a uh, was a marine as well, so I'm the second generation okay. marine. Matter of fact, my okay. my oldest son's joining right now, so he'll be he'll be a third generation. But um, wow. You know, and always my father uh, and I didn't have the best relationship growing up. He came back from as a Marine Corps infantryman from from Vietnam uh, with the same problems we see with our guys today. And of course, as a kid, I didn't understand why he was the way he was. And uh, but there was a lot of physical abuse, verbal abuse uh, growing up. And but mm. nonetheless, I, I just always had an aspiration to, to do that. I knew one the one thing in his life that stood out that he was always proud of was being a United States Marine. And so I always had wanted okay. to do that. I wanted to. I was really, uh, really loved being in the water. So I knew um, from a young age, I think, that I wanted to be in some type of special operations. And I knew that, you know, being a Marine, that option was to be a, a force recon Marine. So I kind of had my eyes set on that pretty early on in my life. When I was 14, I had a, a, a older brother who was a year older than me, and he was a uh, he was shot and killed. And uh, and it, it really um, put me in a mm. put me in a state of like isolation. And, was real isolated mm. family. My family, which is already a broken family, um, fell apart even further, and I found myself living on my own at about 15 years old. Um, wow. And and uh, the Marine Corps uh, not only was a, a childhood dream, but it was a it was a second chance at life for me because uh, this circumstances mm. I told the um, Marine Corps recruiter mm-hmm. my situation and my story, and I was able to go into Marine Corps without a high school diploma or a GD, which is kind of unheard of even at that time. And uh, well, the Marine Corps gave me a year to get my high school diploma, and that was really how it all started. I really grabbed hold of that, again, one, on one hand, a childhood dream, on the other hand, a, a really fresh start at life again. And I really well, had, you know, grabbed hold of that. So that's how you got going. Tell us. Uh, yeah, and, so, uh, and you know, my first year in the Marine Corps. Was there a long process before you actually, you know, actually got out there and and uh, started seeing any action? Was there a long a long oh, yeah. process there to get to that point? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I went in in 1993, so uh-huh. you know, I, everything, you know, the Gulf War was over, Somalia was had, had finished. And uh, so, you know, on one hand, it was kind of a blessing because I had all this opportunity to, to not deploy uh, to combat and to train. So I got to go do a lot of training, uh, you know, became a, tried out to be a force recon marine, uh, eventually became uh, a force recon marine and got to do that job that I dreamed to do, which was, you know, very, very um, big accomplishment, if you know much about that. Uh, Chad, Chad, I didn't understand that. What did you call that? What kind of marine was that? Can you explain that? It's called a a force recon marine, and uh, that's the marine. Yeah, that's the marine's uh, special operations branch. So currently they have, yeah, so, you know, in doing that, becoming... Uh, that job there in, includes a lot of training. So I spent a lot of time there in that first four years training um, and getting and getting acclimated to do that job. It wasn't until 9/11 happened that you know everything ramped up in the world and and I had the opportunity to deploy and uh, and you know actually do what it had trained for the previous 10 years to do. Well, and then well. you know as as you can imagine, you know, and everybody knows that it's got to deploy. Everyone at that point that had been in for a while was wanting to do something, wanting to participate. Yeah. I always say um, when I, I do a lot of speaking, and I always say it's like the ladies could relate and not stress and not have any place to go. That's how you, at that time in the world I felt like we had all this training and there was really nothing going on. And then, boom, <laughs> 9-11 happens, and 
and here it is. We get to we get to go and and uh, you know guys like me got to do a lot of in the special operations community got to do a lot of rotations. But guys in the normal uh, mm-hmm. military, they didn't do a, a lot of rotations. They did long deployments. So everyone really got to their fair share of time out there and um, and and it's a toll. It's it not this has taken a toll. It's continuing to take a toll on the guys wow. and it did on me. I mean, and, uh, my whole world changed, and and uh, it was something yeah. I wanted. I don't regret it at all, but it did have its impact on me and my family, and ultimately is the reason I'm doing what I'm doing now. Now, were you? Did you get married before you were deployed? Yeah, I got married my first year in the Marine Corps. So my wife and I oh, were wow. married for 20 years, and uh, so she's got to see, you know, not only me being mm-hmm. a brand new Marine, but trying out to be a recon Marine, going through all that training. The times when wow. there wasn't any going on in the world to the times that she was at home for eight to eight you know eight trips to Afghanistan and she's at home being mom being dad being the mother and the husband and everything else wow so she's uh wow she's been through it all so uh eight you did eight tours sounds like and yeah uh, for how how long of a period of each one of those average would you say I was doing anywhere from four to up to six months at a, for each one. So you have a you know a lot of conventional forces would do like fifteen month rotations, twelve month rotations. Ours were a little wow. shorter, but uh, more frequent. So you're going back and forth, you know, uh, from from a reality here that to an entirely different reality. What what was that like? I mean, I I just can't imagine how how you navigate that. Well, I mean. You know, it's a uh, you're out there, and you. What happened with me was, I think, what happens with a lot of guys, and is that you go there and you make this kind of conscious decision that you're gonna, that you're gonna turn off your uh, compassion and and humanity, mm. so to speak, to, to do a job. And I think wow. as a Christian, I thought I was a really strong Christian when I went there, but come to uh, learn that I really wasn't. My Christianity was really thin, paper thin. And what what I did was I I thought that I had to shelf my Christianity to trade it for this masculinity role of a warrior to do my job, mm. and that was I think that was a detrimental mistake for me because what happened um, in the nature of my job being in getting you know, living with the Afghan people and understanding what the Taliban had done before we got there and and uh, I started to really sympathize with the with the Afghans and. And what they've yeah. been through, that mission they've been through, and I, I allowed myself to like really become uh, bitter and hateful, and and just had this hatred towards the Taliban, and that hatred that entered my heart made me a really angry wow. and driven person, and and it, it just really affected me. And so when I come home, uh, you can't just turn that on and off, especially with the frequency of deployments we'd have. I mean, it, it, it even look at some of these these um, young guys that come back; they're there for 12 months. They get brought home and they 24 hours later they're with their wife and kids and that was me so many times i hmm. remember my wife picking me up from the airport and i'd be driving home and and uh before i even made it to my front door i was always i already wanted to be back uh one because i, I really felt out of place i felt like yeah I belong there uh wow. as a as a father and a husband i started feeling like convicted like i was making decisions that my wife wouldn't fan or respect and she would maybe think I was like something was wrong with me or I was like some kind of evil person for doing the things that mm. I did so I felt like 
had to hide, like I was would be compromised from her. And also, uh, I just felt so attached to the job there that I, I felt like the person that was rotating to relieve me couldn't do the job as well as me, so I needed to get back. It was like a sense wow. of unfinished unfinished business. Mm-hmm. And so I was always always wanted to be there instead of home, which is, I mean, even even in the in the bad mental state I was in as it progressed. Um, I still was, am just a very, I love my kids so much. I'm so close to my, my kids and my wife. Like that's just not normal for me to want to be away from my family, but I really wanted to be back in Afghanistan. I felt more comfortable there. I felt like I had a purpose there. I had a job to do and, uh, and mm. I didn't have to worry about my wife and my kids, uh, compromising this monster that I felt like I was becoming. Wow. And, uh, right. so it, it was, it was very, it was very, uh, difficult or even impossible to me at the time to be able to turn off uh, this, you know, to switch from being a compassionate, loving husband and father to being this warrior that I felt like I had to be. And uh, wow. believe in the lie of the enemy that I couldn't do both because I believe now and know now that uh, that you can do both. Wow, I can't imagine. So, um, you know, that that I'm very intrigued. Like, do you... My big question I had this when we were talking earlier you know, is, do you have to hate to fight? Uh, I know it's your you're an MMA fighter, so you you have you have this fight in you that's you know it's a it's a part of your personality. Do you have to hate to fight? Um, I'd love to have you talk about that, and, and and maybe also is was that feeling you had as a motivation? Is that really common over there? Is that the most common motivation to make soldiers really do what they have to do? Is is it hatred or is it something else? And can it be something else? It's a big question, I'm sure. So, <laughs> I think, I mean, from a from a you know combat perspective, I, I think all the you know everybody everybody in the United States has a political opinion of a, but I can tell you that you know once you're in a combat theater and or in a gunfight and the first bullet zips by, none of that really matters. You just care about you know, yourself and the, your guys that, that you're there with. Um, you know, none of the political opinions or whether you like the p- people or hate the people really matters. It's just, it becomes a preservation and a mission accomplishment uh, mindset. But uh, I, I truly believe that, you know, you don't have to hate to fight. Uh, I, I believe that mm. as a professional, you can do your job. And uh, I think, you know, the people that do their job best in that environment are people that are could separate the emotion between the two. I think even with that that anger and hate during times of conflict, I've always been able to be a, very composed uh, as a professional athlete and, and a fighter. I, I get asked a lot this question, uh, being a Christian, mm-hmm. being a you know a pastor mm-hmm. now, and, and uh, how could I? Because I've you know since being a pastor, I've fought professionally, and so I get asked, how could you? do that you know and uh what's people can't uh fathom the concept of doing both and to me like uh fighting as a, as a mma fighter is just a sport so i just mm-hmm. uh i've i started been doing it since i was a kid so when i get in there it's like to my mind in my mind it's like not any different than playing soccer there's rules and and objectives mm-hmm. and uh, you yeah. know i've i'm not trying to i'm trying to win uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna be very uh, diligent to win, but I'm not, uh, I don't, there's no hatred in my heart. And I, I felt like, I felt like if there would be hatred in my heart towards my opponent, and if I did need to make myself angry or mad to be able to compete, uh, my, uh, my ability to, my ability to perform would be, 
weakened. I wouldn't be able to uh, be composed mm. and, and focused and be able to do the uh, fight technically and smart. So, I, so I've been able to really separate that and keep myself really co- uh, composed and calm and being able to mm-hmm. perform really well. I think I think I perform better than most athletes because of my composure. Mm-hmm. So I relate that mm-hmm. back to the to the battlefield. I think uh, the warriors that can can do that and separate that hatred, or, or you know, would perform better in the battlefield. And uh, and I think that's something that should be, and not not should be it. Sometimes it is taught to our warriors to. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about, and I think we learned a lot from this this war on terror and the amount of deployments guys have had to really understand uh, mental composure in a uh, in combat. Wow! I think wow. That we learned. Is that something that you learned while you were still out there, or did that come later? No, I think I'm still just learning it now. <laughs> uh, and, and, and talking to you know a lot of guys that uh, you know I obviously get to work with so many warriors and talking to them about their experiences. And, um, but I found that I was able to, I looked at how I competed as an athlete and, and as a fighter and how easy was it, it was for me to do that, to not, to be composed and be, not be angry and to be, uh, calculated and not operating on rage. And I'm like, man, I could, I do such a good job mm. as a professional athlete doing this. Uh, you wow. know, this really think- directly. Do you think if you were called to go back out again and fight, you would do it differently now? Oh, yeah, I, certainly. My mindset would be completely different. Uh, oh. I would, uh, my, you know, I would, uh, I think I could, I think I could still continue to go out there and, and do my job just as well, if not better, with a, a more stable uh, mindset of a, you know, being the warrior that God called me to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I mean, my, I don't think my motives or intentions were any different at that time. I think I just, I, I fueled myself a different way and mm-hmm. I allowed, allowed hatred to enter my, enter my heart. And, um, gosh, I mean, I think, a, you in, know, Jesus, Jesus goes as far as to say love our enemies. You know, I mean, yeah. Is that possible, uh, possible in, in such an environment? Uh, you know, I, I, I would say that, uh, you know, I look at I look at what's going on now, and yeah. uh, I, I know I know the Bible the Bible clearly talks about you know God hating certain things. Uh, I, I don't oh know my. where. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know where where that you know. There's a lot of answers I have when I get when I go home and and get to be face to face with God. I don't understand a lot of things still, and uh, I think there's yeah. just some things I don't understand. Uh, yeah. I, I don't. I'm not going to say that I would allow. Not the, I hate the action of what these guys are doing, like ISIS and those things. I, I yeah. hate that, and I, and I would. And if it took me to have to, you know, kill them to stop them from doing it, I would have no problem even as a Christian doing that right now. Uh, I don't right. think that separates me from being a Christian. I could, I could go in as a warrior right now and defend mm-hmm. these people, and I, and I would gladly do it. Um, but I don't think I think where the hatred that the hatred that we talk about, about as a warrior, not hating those enemies, it's not allowing it to erode me. Cause what, what I did when I allowed myself to hate had no difference in how I perform would perform towards dealing with the enemy. It has to do yeah. with what it does to me and, uh, and, and who God called me to be and, and how I could have ultimately impacted my family. It impacted everyone around me and everyone I loved because I didn't know yeah. how to control that the way I, I viewed the things that I was involved in. Wow, that's uh, 
That's something. That's well, a, I don't know if that, that's a really tough question. I've never been asked that, in that way before. Um, yeah, I mean, with, you know, I, I, I can tell you, and just with integrity and honesty right now, you know, I watch those, what's going on in the world right now and what ISIS is doing. And, and do I hate that? Absolutely, I hate that. Oh, yeah. Me yeah, I mean, I, impact, yeah. impact me the way I let it impact me in the past. I won't because I know the repercussions of allowing it to take root inside yeah. of me. Yeah. No, I, 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 I feel the same thing. And I, as I read such atrocities, you know, killing and and maiming children and and the beheading of people, and oh my God, you know, it makes you want to go there and and just you know blow these guys away. <laughs> what, yeah. what it does. I mean, if we're, I mean that's, that's how I, I wired us to to protect ourselves <laughs> and the things we care about and want to stand up for. That's what we, yeah. you know, that's why we we're, we're made to be warriors and. Yeah, and, uh, but I, you, you know, know I, I wonder if you can step back. I, I wonder if you can step back and and see if if any of these people are 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 trapped. You know, are are they trapped? In, in, are they doing what they want to do? Are they, you know, are they under the control of Satan? Or you know, what's? I, I think sometimes maybe that's where the compassion comes in 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 realizing that. Um, you know, we all. Oh, I love what Dylan says. You know, you you, you got to serve somebody. You know, you it may be the Lord or it may be the devil, but you're going to serve somebody. You know, and uh, and people who are under the service of the wrong person are not bad people necessarily, but they are being ruled by a bad power. Right. Ah. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm pontificating this is not my interview <laughs> it's yours so you know where i want to go now I, I would like to get quickly into your ministry well okay this is this statistics i've always had the trouble with that word the statistics have it that uh 23 um people 23 suicides a day is that right chad yeah that's the current the current rate, the current, you know, uh, yeah. that there's uh, there's some skepticism as uh, if it's not more than that. They say about 60% of the states are reporting. Uh, well, and there's reports equate up to about 23 suicides a day in our veterans. Now, is that among among people who are serving right now or ve- serving veterans and everybody involved in some way with the military? No, so broad- um, the, act- the active duty rate. That people are uh, taking, taking their lives, taking their lives on active duty is one a day. It's one a day. Oh. But the veteran community, once the guys get out, is 23 a day. Oh my God! Which paints a pretty clear picture of once they're separated from their brotherhood, that camaraderie, they tap into uh, a VA a VA system maybe, or uh, or get you know get displaced, try to reintegrate and back into civilian life. That's where the hopelessness and despair comes, and um, it ultimately results in that 23 suicides per day. Wow, wow! And then, so, uh, then we've got the, then we've got the divorces. That um, I believe we said that the uh, it's a 90 percent divorce rate among veterans. Is that right? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, depending on the demographic, it's I would definitely say um, on a, a large scale, it's over 80% for combat veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in some cases, some demographics up to 90%. Wow. Okay, now, Ch- 
Chad, you're working right now uh, in trying to help other veterans through uh, these kinds of horrible things. You can you tell us a little bit about your how you yourself struggled with these things and uh, how you came through it and and um, and then give us a picture of, of of the Mighty Oaks Warrior Program. We want to end up with that. So, and I realize that may be a little ways to get there, but can you give us oh, a little bit of the process of your own struggle here? Yeah. So uh, you know, uh, I came home from my uh, last la- my last deployment. And uh, when I came home, I was uh, I was I was a mess. I was diagnosed with I was told I had PTSD. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was having these uh, I didn't know what what was what it was at the time, but now I know it was panic attacks. You know, my face would go numb, my arms would go numb. I felt like my foot was swelling shut. Had some wow. periods of time I didn't remember, and uh, so I just had all these uh, physiological things going on in my body, and and uh, you know I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I I was really scared that I was going to end up in you know, a uh, straitjacket in a mental institution. I uh, was, uh, mm. was really in, in despair. And, and uh, I uh, went to see, uh, went to the doctor, and when he told me I had PTSD, literally, I'd show you how naive I was to the to what PTSD was. Um, I, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was something I contracted because he's like, well, you know, you're being, I'm being diagnosed with PTSD. <laughs> I really thought it was something I contracted from like, eating local food or something. And he had to explain to me what it was, and um, and I, at the time, I'll be honest, I still didn't understand what was going on with me. I just knew that I was, you know, felt like I was losing my mind, or I felt like my body would just stop working at any moment. Yeah. And uh, Chad, for our listeners, for our listeners, PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, I'm just not sure everyone know, knew that, so I wanted to explain, and maybe just give us a little bit of. Those are the basic the psychological traumas as a result of going through uh, wartime or any kind of very stressful situation. Is that Stress. right? Yeah, I think it's an important you know point to anybody to all the listeners to know that you know you don't have to go to Iraq or Afghanistan to have gone through trauma. Mm. You know, I, mm. I wouldn't trade my experience to lose my child to a drunk driver or to have actually gone through a, a divorce or any of those things that other people face, but. You know, the thing is that we could all get trauma from different areas of of, the, of life, but I think I believe uh, from my experience that the, the, the solution is the same. And the solution is uh, is kind of my story is, you know, coming alive with who God created us to be. And there was a long road to that path. Like I said, I came home and had all these things going on, and, and the doctor and my wife encouraged me to to do something productive to keep myself busy. And uh, mm-hmm. that thing came the conc- the conclusion for me to do was to do martial arts and jujitsu because I had done it my whole life. I started when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. I had already fought professionally on the side from being in the military. I was like, uh, you know, I was still I was actually undefeated as a professional fighter at that time. So uh, they talked me into doing that. And when I first got on those wrestling mats, it was like a uh, it was like I found the cure because when I mm-hmm. grappled, uh, I couldn't think of anything else. So, like, if anybody listening's ever wrestled before, they would know that if you start thinking of something else, you, your buddy's going to choke you. So you have to be focused, pay attention. <laughs> so, so I was like, you know, I was really engaged and focused. It felt like something really good, but like any other good medicine that you could get for being sick, you could abuse it. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what I did. I didn't want to deal with mm-hmm. Afghanistan. I didn't want to deal with being in the military. I didn't want to deal with my wife and being as and being as angry mm-hmm. as I was. 
so I hid in that. And mm. when you spend so much time, when I say I hid in that, I spend like 12 hours a day on the wrestling mats. And uh, my school that opened, I ended up having like a thousand students, and I fought in all these big MMA shows, and I started being very successful. And with that success, you know, I fought like in Strike Force, uh, Bellator. These are like really big uh, television productions for fighting. So, and what that brought around me was a bunch of people who didn't hold me accountable. They told me everything I wanted to hear and nothing that I needed mm. to hear. So I was able mm. to be, I was able to hide in the success of this. And it was just this big fake yeah. facade. Not people who really cared about me. They just, um, and eventually something like that comes crashing down, and it did. You know, it all came uh, crashing down, and me and my wife faced divorce. My wife, uh, of all the people that you know, taught me how to fight in the Marine Corps and and uh, and coaches, mm. and the greatest coaches in MMA. But uh, my wife, she really showed me what it was like to fight because she didn't give up on her family. She, she this time we were separated and living in separate homes. She wasn't. Uh, willing to give up on me, not as a husband or a family, but she was uh, on her knees in our church every day praying for me, not for us mm. to get back together, just for me, for her husband. And um, and she she would tell me she didn't know how to pray for me because she was so mad. So she would ask, she would say, God, let me love Chad the way you love Chad. Show me to forgive Chad the way you forgive Chad. Because she was too mm. mad to to do that for herself. And uh, yeah. Wow, well, you're a fortunate man. I've been telling this story over and over so long, it still gets me every time because you know, she's such yeah. a courageous woman. And she just stood in the gap uh, for me while I was weak to, so that I could do it now for her and for our family and for other people. And, and, and I watched her do that. And at the very end, when we were, she was like, we were going through divorce papers, she just, she just had this moment of like, through all her hurt, she just had this moment of calmness and she just asked me this really uh, life-changing question. She said, how can you do all those things that she watched me do for all these years to become a Fort Recon Marine, to prepare to go to these deployments, train for these fights? Like, I lose, like, 37 pounds to cut weight for these fights. The discipline mm-hmm. it takes to do all these things. She's like, how could you do all that? And when it comes to your family, you'll quit. Mm. And that was very convicting to me because, you know, she was right. Uh, I don't like being wrong, and, and I don't like being called a quitter. And uh, she really, she really had my had me cornered, and I, I didn't have an answer for that. I knew that, like I had just like this light bulb moment. I knew that everything that I had put hard work into in my life, professionally, that I had been successful at. But I'm sitting here on the brink of the things that matter most, and and I've quit at. I was I was sitting in the closet every day with a pistol, thinking about taking my life because it'd be easier on my family to go through this divorce process without me. Wow. I quit on wanting to live. I quit on my health. I quit on my faith in God. I quit on being the husband and father that God had called me to be. And I had just completely given up on life. And she was right right there in front of me, calling me, calling me out on it. And mm. uh, I had to make a big choice. I had to either accept that I was a, uh, the, the truth, that I, was, that I had quit, or I had to do something about it. And I made a choice that day. I said, uh, uh, I don't know how to put the pieces back together, but... But uh, this wasn't a faith-based thing. I was just like kind of work hard work ethic. I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this. So I'm gonna put the same like work ethic I put in my professional life into my into my uh, my personal life and fix all this and put it back together. And uh, you know obviously that wouldn't have worked. But one of the first decisions I made was I recognized that all these people that were um, around me were. In, in, in enabling me and encouraging me to to, to do uh, make the wrong choices. So 
So I knew oh, I had yeah. to separate myself from them and put people that would hold me accountable. And the only place I knew to, to find people that would hold me accountable and tell me the hard things was at the church where my wife was. I knew that there was, you know, those were the men that would probably tell me the hard things. And so I allowed one of them to speak into my life. And he looked at this literally uh, plan that I had on a piece of paper of how I was going to put my life back together. And he laughed at me. <laughs> he said, uh, his name's Steve Cove. He's, a, he's just an amazing man. He said, man, you know, I kind of applaud you for this, but none of it's going to work. It's going to, you get it right where you are because you you left out restoring your relationship with Christ. And, uh, and that's the, that's the bottom line with all this. You have to be able to reconcile your relationship with Christ. And, mm. uh, and I didn't want to do that mm. because it was hard because I was mad and I didn't, I didn't understand why some of the things that had happened in my life had happened. And, um, so, but, I, but I knew he was right and I knew I had to do that. And, and on the other side of that, I discovered a few things. One, um, all my problems wasn't related to the, my experiences that I had. My problems were really related to me making choices that were outside of the, the model that God had created for me to be as a man. And, uh, and, and I had, I really had control over some of the circumstances in my life and I had just make, I had to just make the right choices and, and live the way God had created for me to live. Mm. And, uh, and another thing I realized through this process was that I wasn't the only one that was suffering through what I was suffering. And in doing the work that I do now, I realized that most people who are suffering, especially with suicide and divorce, they feel like they're the only one in the world that's in this situation and no one can understand uh, their situation because no one else could relate. And I was, and I'm looking at all these other scenarios and I realized that so many veterans were suffering with the same thing I was. And it was real disturbing to me because I was like, wow, if they felt like I felt, I just like my heart broke for them. And I'm like, somebody's got to do something about this. And it was like just one of those moments that, you know, God, mm. somebody's got to do something about this. Why not you? And a uh, platform that I was using for myself to for fame and to build myself up and to hide in. And I said, I'm going to use this platform to do something good with it. And um, and so I uh, I did another fight on um, MTV and really promoted the support of, um, you know, civilian support for veterans. And just after that fight, I just really had a clear moment where I felt God called me to do this work full time. And um, and I didn't know how I was going to do it, but a man named Tear Screen came into my life. He wanted to develop this men's program um, built after the model of disciplines of a professional fighter. I'm like, wow, what a coincidence. And we <laughs> worked on this curriculum together and uh, came up with this program for men, uh, not veterans at the time, to come up with this program on how men could change their lives by using the, the work ethics and discipline and character of a professional fighter. And uh, through over, over time and curriculum development we came up this fight club for for men for the veterans and uh it's also we also have a program just for men but for veterans and uh suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder and uh we implemented this program and and the mighty oaks uh warrior programs was was founded in 2011 and now we're you know able to serve so many veterans who were in the same situation i was in uh, their mm. families. We we do a spouses program. We do a marriage program. This year we're doing a family camp. We've had 500 men come through mm. through a, a fight club for men. And yeah. of those 500 men, in the, looking at it, 23 suicides a day. We've had zero suicides from any graduates. Wow. And in our marriage program, we've had a uh, we've had zero divorces from an, in our marriage mm. program. Mm. So 
So we uh, we get active duty uh, United States Marines on orders, military orders, and you know God really deserves some credit for that because we uh, went against all recommendations to be secular, and we chose to keep our you know Christian uh, uh-huh. roots. And the military has you know, Marine Corps has allowed and it continues to allow them to come on military orders to a faith-based program. And, wow. Uh, we get all so then guys, they, you know, they actually order, they actually order people to come into your program. Yeah. Yeah. From the, we get the Marine Corps wounded warrior battalion West on the West coast, uh, uh-huh. which is at Camp Pelham. And, uh, that's where all the, the Marines from Hawaii and, uh, the whole Western United States go when they're wounded or diagnosed with PTSD. And they either go mm-hmm. there to get healthy and go back into the Marine Corps or get healthy and reintegrate into civilian life. And um, mm-hmm. so we're able to get them on orders right outside of that unit, and uh, as well as Balboa Hospital. We get those guys. We get some Army Army, Army uh, veterans, uh, Army active duty as well. Primarily we get the Marines, though, and then we also still serve the veteran community for guys that are already out. The program wow. is completely free. We don't charge the military. We don't charge the veterans. Um and we uh, we really try to reach out to churches to let up, let pastors know that when these veterans go needing help at the church, to send them to us. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing we don't do is we don't take government grants because you know um, government grants usually mm-hmm. typically come with strings attached. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're uh, we're so are you, you know, how are you are you totally a donation based then? Yeah, so we we're totally donation based. Um, we, uh, I do a lot of speaking on Sundays at churches. I go mm-hmm. around the country and share my share my testimony. A lot of times, my wife and I will share our testimony together, different churches around the country, and uh, and we tell them what we do, and we get support through donations that way. Um, we've we've uh, taken a group of alumni graduates who became instructors through our program, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because uh, that's really the goal of everyone that comes to our program. It's a discipleship process, so we don't want them to just come through. We want them to come through. And come back and learn how to learn, and us mentor them on how to uh, share it and spread it with other veterans. And uh, so, so we uh, we encourage them to do one of two things, uh, one of several things. One, one thing would be come back and be an instructor at the main camp that we do every month, or go put an outpost in partnership with a church somewhere around the country that does weekly meetings, follow up in continuity, accountability, or uh, jump on our speakers team and our speakers mm-hmm. team goes around and shares their stories, just like, you know, my story and my wife's story, uh, to do a couple of things. One would be to, you know, just share an inspiring message of a Christ-based transformation uh, to the congregation of those churches and also let the pastoral staff know how to utilize us as a resource to help the veterans in their community. Because these veterans aren't staying at the Wounded Warrior Battalions. They're getting out and they're going home to their communities. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could be, we could have the best program uh, in the world, but if we can't reach them in their communities, then we're never going to reach the the law. So we really need to partner with churches, and um, so we're we're encouraging our graduates, our alumni, to go back, and go out and find churches that are willing to partner with us, and put these outposts um, around the country. Right. right, right now we have um, we have nine, um, but we're we're uh, we're launching the we're actually going to start advertising mm-hmm. locations nine on January first. Wow. Official that this time. is fantastic. Uh, Chad, if, if someone's listening right now and they know of a veteran that needs, could, could you know, uh, be helped by a program like this, is there anything they can do? 
uh, go to mightyoaksprograms.org, uh, and they can educate okay. themselves uh, more on the program. Uh, they can uh, register, right, uh, go on the programs page, and they just click in the registration button. We get the application immediately, and uh, within 72 hours, someone from the organization will get back in touch with them. And, and uh, it's, it's, uh, their criteria is not too stringent. Uh, to get in, if they, you know, if they served, and especially if they served in a mm-hmm. combat or in struggling, we want to be there to assist them, and it's not going to cost them anything. And uh, we'll, we'll wow. get them all there to the camp and put them through. We again, we have a spouses program. We run mm-hmm. a we run a men's program every month. We're running uh, in 2015. We're running three spouses programs, uh, uh, two marriage advances, mm-hmm. and one family camp. You do do you do women's programs uh, for women who have served? Or is that an issue? We, too? we, inter- we integrate them into the spouses program. And, uh, okay. We, we, we've uh, we've had some people come back and say, "Why would you do that? They're different." But if you understood the content of our curriculum and our, the way we do it, it doesn't matter if they're a spouse. It doesn't matter if they're a veteran. We go mm-hmm. back. Our women's program focuses on the core, the core fact of them being a, a woman and being the woman, the virtuous woman that God created them to be. And uh, so the concept cool. of how we how we approach the issue, it's really irrelevant if they were a spouse or a uh, or a okay. veteran. We just we we do we do because of the way we run our programs, they have to be gender based. Right, right. Okay. Well, everybody listening, that's Mighty Oaks Warrior Programs. Is there an S at the end of that or not? Yeah, the website though is MightyOaksPrograms.org. Okay, no S. MightyOaksProgram.org, right? With an S, yep. With an oh, S. with the S, programs. Yeah, I didn't hear it. Okay, MightyOaksPrograms, plural, dot org. That's well, it. Chad, this is, this is incredible. Now, what are you doing now? Then Are you primarily working with the with Mighty Oaks? Are you doing any more fighting at all, or is that kind of behind you now? Well, Mighty Oaks Programs, Mighty Oaks Warrior Programs is, uh, falls under the umbrella of Serving California. So uh-huh. I'm the director of veteran affairs for Serving California, and uh, so Serving California does a couple of things. They work with um, nonviolent offenders who are reintegrating into society. They work with victims of crimes, and they work with veterans. And of course, I'm I'm the director of the veteran affairs. Uh, I see. One of the things that my that better Southern California does that I think it's important for listeners to know. One of the things that Southern California does for Mighty Oaks is every dollar we raise, they match it. Oh, so great. So we have a matching program. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's called serving. Serving almost every time you say it, it sounds to me like Southern California. I'm sure you said that. But you call it <laughs> serving. Serving. Uh, serving California, and that's yep. that's serving. a separate organization. Is that right? I had not heard no, about. It's actually it's actually the same organization. Mighty Oaks falls under Serving California. Oh, okay. Yeah, serving okay. like like a. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, so like what we do, right? We serve, we serve. We uh, serve. Fantastic. Yeah, serving California. So um, we're just okay. a veteran side. Okay, so serving serving California is a little broader. Um, yeah. So for, uh, what do I do now? I you know I I try to get out and speak. Uh, if there's any pastors out there that want to want to uh, myself or one of our speakers to go to the church, we we love to go out and share our story and share what we do, and be able to come alongside uh, the church to partner. And, uh, and and serving a veteran community and others, and uh, also um, just keep this thing um, 
keep these all these graduates that want to do something. We try to. I'm really my job is really focusing on empowering them to be able to do exactly what it is that I that I'm doing and plugging them into to partnerships mm-hmm. around the country to reach this veteran community because again, there's no way for me to do it by myself and and who better to use than our alumni and our graduates and our you know courageous men and women who who know how to fight for for other people and are willing to stand up for other people. They just need to be reengaged and put back in the fight. You know, what, what happens, wow. uh, we didn't really touch on this, but what happens when our veterans come home right now is when we get them, and this is sad, but it's, it's so true, we get them with 20, on like 20 pills a day is like what we see commonly, mm. up to 30 pills a day for PTSD. That's the diagnosis, PTSD, and they're getting 20, 30 pills a day. And they're getting given that to reduce the anxiety, to get rid of the symptoms. Well, the problem with these pills is they work so well at reducing the anxiety that the guys don't even have anxiety to kill themselves. They don't have anxiety to get divorced. They don't have anxiety to do the stupid mm. things that they're doing. So they're just numb. And so, wow. you know, I, I really believe that. I really believe that in in coming to an a alternative solution from an alternative to a clinical solution, that we'll you mm-hmm. know, really win this battle and and teaching these guys that to ask the doctors the hard questions of what do these pills do? Mm-hmm. When am I mm-hmm. going to get off of them? Do you have an exit plan? And uh, when they learn to ask these doctors the, the tough questions, they start realizing that there's there is an alternative option, and and we're able to show them that you know they're not disordered, and because they've had a traumatic experience in their life doesn't mean they have to be on pills the rest of their life or collect 100% yeah. disability check and sit on a couch for the rest of their life. They actually can have a purpose moving forward, and all they really want is to get back in the fight and be challenged again and do something with, mm. with purpose. That's all they really want. Wow. wow. So, you know, you're a faith-based program. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, the, 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 the gospel is, is, a, is a part of what you do. Um, but I imagine these guys are coming in. They're, they're not all Christians, um, especially if they're assigned by the military to come to you, right? So uh, yeah. what, what, how does that work? And are, are these guys meeting the Lord uh, big time? <laughs> Tell us yeah, about I mean, that. I mean, I mean, all Christians, and and uh, we don't we wouldn't, we wouldn't want it that way. Because uh, as Christians, we'd only be reaching you know our own. We want to reach the reach the lost. So I have no problem. We have no problem uh, with them sending uh, whoever to the program. Mm-hmm. And we welcome right. that, and they do. We get we get atheists, a lot of atheists. We get Buddhists, Wiccans, you name it. They send them. And uh, we we come to the agreement on the first day. We ask this kind of simple question: If what you're doing isn't working, why not try something different? And the truth is, they wouldn't be there if what they were doing is working. So mm. yeah, we kind of have cornered there, and we say we we just say simply, are, are, we're going to present to you a model. And I'll use the men's program for example. We're going to present to you a model of manhood, and for the sake of instruction because we have to come to a common ground somewhere for the sake of instruction, we're going to use the Christian blueprint for manhood. And we're not, we don't try to push it on them or anything. We use it as a, simply a training model. Mm-hmm. We go, we, we cover uh, 14 areas. Some of those I'll tell you are, are, you know, marriage, legacy, the legacy you leave behind, how you manage your time, how you manage your money, what's character look like, what's your discipline look like on a daily basis. And they're in these work groups that are 24-7. They're in the, immersed, immersed in it. They even sleep in the same rooms with their work groups. So they're instructors mm-hmm. in that group with them. So they'll have a class on, let's say, uh, character, and then they'll work in their group to look at what character looks like in their daily life compared to 
how God defines character. And then what they'll realize is that the same thing I realized when, when my wife, you know, cornered me with that tough question is that a lot of the, the aftermath of the, in, in our lives are based on choices that we're making, not our circumstances. And this, so you're presenting them with truth and it's hard to really deny truth. And at the end of the week, what they, what they find is that the reason that their life is a uh, sideways isn't because of one traumatic experience or a series of traumatic experiences it's because they're choosing to live outside of the design that they were created to live in. And, uh, and when people come to the conclusion of that and realize that, then the answer is pretty obvious. And we see so many guys uh, that make you know decisions for Christ at these at these camps and um, mm-hmm. and choose make the cho- choice to live by the, the design that God created for them to live. It's just it's just amazing uh, to watch. You know we, we we initially only had them for six days, and you have to realize the secular programs we're com- competing with. Mm-hmm. And I'll say competing because we really are competing. Uh, I'm not saying it as competitive, but. They're all yeah. pulling. The, everybody's pulling to, to get a chance to work with these guys. They'll get them for six months, and so the wounded warrior battalion commander will send them there for six months, and they'll come back exactly the same, sometimes worse because they're angry. And we'll get them for six days, and he says that when I send them, you get to six days, and they come home, they're different, and it sticks. And then they're trying to recruit everyone else. What is it you're doing? What is it you're doing six days? And <laughs> the point is that, and I tell him, wow. it's not six days. It's, it's one moment. It's a moment when a man makes a decision and makes that choice Ooh. to live by the design of his creator. And when a man makes that choice and he realizes who it is that God created him to be and finds his purpose, there's nothing that's going to stop him. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing guys, uh, warriors, leaders, coming and making big decisions to live by design. And it and that's world. That's a world changer when a guy like that wow. makes that kind of decision. And yeah, so it's, I mean, I'm like in shock every time I watch it because every time we get a new group, that. they're like, I'm watching them and they come in and they're like mad because they don't want to be there. And I'm like, oh man, this guy, this group is just not going to get it. They're not going to want it. They're not going to get it. And just something happens every time. And I don't know how it still mm-hmm. shocks me, but it does. And, uh, and it's just such a pleasure to be, I mean, it's such an honor that God would allow me to have a front row seat at watching this and remind me every mm. time of mm. what it reminds me of. And for the women out there listening, it, it, it reminds me that all that happened, these 500 guys, and it's infinite how many have been impacted by these guys that went back out and we taught to, taught to bond, spread this. But all this has happened because one woman decided that she was not going to give up and she was going to fight for her hmm. husband when he was weak. Wow. It all started from that. And uh, wow. it's just amazing to me to watch every time. Yeah. Uh. Oh, Chad, this is so good. And you're you're praising your wife in the gates. You're, you're just doing it all, my friend. My goodness. Um, I want to go to one of these. <laughs> I, I, I can't. You don't have one for me, do you? <laughs> I, I can take it. You know, we, um, we, we typically allow, like, one pastor or someone to sit back and uh, be part of it. Each time we, hmm. we open up one spot for a pastor to come in. So if you really oh. did want to it you know it'd be um the only thing we require is that you have to sit through from the very beginning to the very end wow um, so um be- because uh oh. we don't want to interrupt interrupt uh you know strangers popping in and out but yeah. um oh. we do open it up uh every session for one guy come through and observe and be Man. part of it be part okay of it. well i'm going to be praying about that for sure 
I mean, uh, this is uh, this is very exciting, and and you, I, I need to tell you, you've been a, a personal inspiration to me uh, tonight. So um, I'm just I'm moved by your story and by your commitment, um, and I love that that whole thing about uh, your family. Uh, your it came down to your commitment to your family, and uh, were you going to quit? You never quit on anything else. You're going to quit on your family. What a what a great uh, you know what a great charge, and um, you know I I uh, that helps me, and I'm sure it will help our other listeners. And, you know I I was worried about tonight whether we'd get anything you know for everybody because this is all you know veterans we're talking about, but uh, we're just talking about it's, life. It's, aren't we? Yeah, it's not a veteran story. It's a it's not you know, well, it's a it's a story that relates to anyone, and um, you know just. You know, doing what God called us to do, and, wow. and that's it. And, and you know, when when you do that, and you and you really uh, focus on the world around you, you, you end up being most blessed yourself. Because I look around at my life now, and I'm like, man, who am I to deserve this life that I'm getting to live? Mm-hmm. Have you know this marriage that I'm, you know I shouldn't even be, I don't even deserve to be part of, and and to be have kids that you know I don't deserve to be there. I don't feel like I even deserve to be the dad to such amazing teenage kids. I don't even have any problems. I got three teenagers and don't have any problems. Like, uh, I'm, and to see these guys do all this stuff, and I had these guys work for me that that came through our program. I'm like, man, these guys are just like amazing. I can't believe they work for me. And uh, so, in the end, me making a decision to try to serve others, I feel like I am being the most blessed. Wow. Wow. Well, Chad, I don't know how to thank you. Our, our time's up, but uh, uh, this is this has been uh, rich to hear your story and um, and a real inspiration, and, and I know it will be to many of our listeners. So, uh, I, I appreciate you very much, and and pray God's blessing on on uh, the continued work you have. I mean, it's just such a vital work, and uh, I, I was even thinking, you know, we could go as veterans today, and I. I was wondering what I was going to say, and, and the day before, I read an article in the newspaper by the guy that wrote uh, uh, "Born on the Fourth of July." You know, and, the movie, yeah, and became the movie. You know, the guy that wrote the book. He's still saying that that he's struggling. You know, and and uh, I'm going. You know, we have this Veterans Day where, you know, we we want to get. And we put our flags out and we salute and we, you know, for one day we encourage these guys and I, and I just think, what about the rest of the year? You know, they're, they're, I know the services they're getting aren't, aren't top notch and I know the veteran, they have to wait 42 days, I guess, is the average for treatment in a veteran's hospital and, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that aren't great for them and, uh, I think, well, gosh, what do we do about this? And, and you're doing something. So uh, you kind of were answered answer, answer a prayer, I, I believe, to probably many people. Well, thank you, guys, and thank you for having me. Okay, well, we'll keep in touch and uh, keep following what you're doing. This is exciting. Lord bless you. Thanks so much for, for talking with us. God bless you guys. Thank you. Okay, Chad. Good night. Whoa, Gunnar, are you there? Absolutely. Gosh, I just you know, <laughs> yeah. it keeps getting 
I, it just keeps getting better and better. You know? <laughs> oh, I know. I there was many times in that that in in his story, and he was sharing that I I'm sitting here and literally, I mean, I've got myself on mute, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and I found I found myself in tears. Uh, yeah. Many times, if he shared his Me story, too. especially about his family and his and his and his wife, and just uh, just fighting for the family and taught him how to, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, and and just uh, and what they're doing and and really, the first half of the interview though too, John, of just really, you know, there's so many of us we talk about we the people debate we talk about all the things about the wars and all these things, you know, but you know he really took us into that mindset in a really open and honest and transparent mm-hmm. way. And then wrestling with you know the, the faith that the yeah. blessing that that he just shared with us and a gift to get us all to ponder and, and go there and I'm I literally though I I am so moved by this I mean there's so many men that I I know that may or may not be listening tonight and, and women that I know that have served that I cannot wait to share this interview with and share the work of of what he's doing yes. with it's so important I just feel so blessed to be a part of this tonight John. I do. I do too. And and let's and so everybody out there, you know, if you know any veterans who are struggling, you know, get go go to uh, what what is what is the site? It's um mighty mighty oaks warrior yeah, program mighty, mighty oaks pro mighty oaks uh, programs dot org. And uh, if uh, you're listening to the show, yeah, and if you're listening to the show tonight, we linked it on uh, the the Blog Talk Radio page. But uh, oh, good. Uh, I'm going to send this to my to my brother, my own brother, who served in the, in the Gulf War one, uh, in the Army, and uh, Big Red One. They say to Iraq. You know, I want, I want to send this to him and um, and some many other friends that are Marine veterans and, uh, and Marines. And so, um, yeah. wow, what a, what a whole other world, John. I mean, it's just and it's just I feel mm-hmm. a gift tonight of helping us, you know, civilians and such, to be able to really try to wrap our heads around what we see in the news every day. Yeah. Well, I, I love that he got, he got personal about that. And what, yeah. you know, um, it sure gave me a, a picture of that, that whole struggle that he had between, you know, coming home and not yes. wanting to be home. Yeah. I, I, you know, I can, I can understand that. I mean, how, because it, there's no way you could navigate that without difficulties. Well, you know, I without mean, huge difficulties. Yeah, I, I had a, a really, a really good friend of mine. He came back after you know the second you know Gulf War, and and he was there for like eighteen months. I mean, it was intense. And he said, "What's been the hardest part in in in, uh, in, in, in reacclimating back into the society?" And he goes, "The pace. The pace hmm. is so challenging." He said, "You'd be on the highway in traffic, you know, in that pace, and if someone makes a quick, uh, abrupt turn or whatever else, you know, you just kind of you're reacting because you were just." He says, you're like in 18 months of just constant, in his case, just clenching of his fist, just an intense mode. And, and here you are back here. And we just really don't have any idea or concept. And, and, and Chad gave us a gift tonight to be able to understand how mm-hmm. uh, we can navigate this through the gospel of welcome and grace turned outward. And, and from a whole different perspective, many of us probably don't have. And so thanks, John, for being willing to have uh, Chad on tonight and to be able to address and approach the topics that we're facing every week on the show. And uh, thanks for being yeah. willing to go there. And, 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 uh, and every week we learn a little bit more and just and God is, we do. is doing amazing things. 
You, we do, and and uh, and Gunner, I got my I got my next catch tonight. He gave it to me. Did you hear that at oh. the end? It's not What's... six days. It's one moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What I, I, a I statement. <laughs> what a statement. It's not well, six days. It's one moment. Well, I could tell when he was putting the ball on the tee there at the end. I could, I could feel it. I could sense it for being that you were like, you're like in awe. You were standing in awe of like, oh my goodness. And so, uh, we'll look forward to that in in the morning and uh, in the days ahead uh, as you write uh, yeah. the catch. And so, um, what an amazing time tonight. Uh, John, and again, it's last week was Veterans Day, and whenever you're listening to the show, um, we are a week after Veterans Day. But like you said, mm-hmm. you just want to. What about the rest of the yeah. days? So you right. know, it's almost it's almost fitting that we didn't have the show on Veterans Day, but a week later, but after anyway, a lot yeah. of people are mm-hmm. on with their lives, they're on with their lives, on to the next thing. But let's keep the conversation going for so many. So you know, uh, thank you, John, yeah, for Great. for having chat on tonight. With that though, we're gonna land the plane. Thank huh? you. Yeah, that's it's time. It's time. It's yeah, and, uh, and 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 really to honor uh, just you know Chad, he believes that we can make uh, we can make it better. And so, uh, John, until next we week on the show, uh, here we are. Here we go. <laughs> Making it better. You're listening to the Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life. Great show tonight, John. Have a good one. Thank you.